0: Hi, friends. Welcome back to Sorta Awesome. I'm your host, Meg Teets. I am so happy to be joined this week. As we wind down 2023, I'm so happy to be joined by my two dear friends and longtime co-hosts, Kelly and Rebecca. Good morning, Kelly Gordon. How are you? Good
1: morning. I'm good. I feel like, I don't know, December's are getting, in some ways, it's like you just know what's coming. Maybe I'm better prepared. But every year I'm like, "Oh, here it comes." And then like I and I'm like I'm laying all the groundwork, you know, I'm preparing, fortifying all of the things. And then it comes and I'm like, "Okay. All right. All right." Yeah. So here I am. Yeah, that's how I feel.
0: <laughs> Good. Rebecca, how are you, my friend? Good. I'm happy to be here.
2: Another year-end show ready to talk about the best of the year. I'm excited.
0: I'm excited too. There's there's a lot of best of to get to. You know, every year we like to end the year with a conversation about some of our bests from the year, definitely talking about our favorite awesomes from the year um, as well as our favorites in pop culture what we loved listening to reading watching all of those things and we're going to close out the show with some reflections on what we've learned this year so we have all kinds of year-end goodness for you guys so uh, go ahead and you know pour yourself a glass of champagne maybe a little champagne brunch with
1: us <laughs> a little mimosa you can never say no to a mim- mimosa. mimosa.
0: That's right. That's right. As we close out 2023 today on Sorta Awesome. Welcome back, awesomes, to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. And yes, we are closing out 2023 with our year-end discussion. And you all know by now that we are also in the final days of Sorta Awesome, the podcast. We do have another conversation ahead for you. Um, But in the meantime, please do make sure that you're joining us on Sorta Awesome social media because social media will continue on. So if you would still like to have that little bit of awesome in your social media feeds, come and find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group, especially we would love to have you join us over there. That's a great way for you to stay connected with myself and Kelly and Rebecca and all of your Sorta Awesome friends um, that will remain open indefinitely. So come and join us in the Hangout on Facebook. Okay. Awesome of the year normally we start each episode with awesome of the week with whatever is bringing a little extra gold sparkle to our days during the week awesome of the year is the time where we look back on the year and think about what stands out as a true awesome for the entire year you guys every single year this is the most stressful part of the whole show right Looking back on one year of conversations about what I was into, it's so much. Um, but I, I'm 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 solid with my selection this year. But let's hear what you guys picked, Kelly. Let's start with you, as you think back on 2023. What was awesome of the year for
1: you? Okay, so this is it is tough. Although I was just thinking, Meg, like for Rebecca and I, we have you know like one a month ish, maybe a little bit more. And yeah. um, you have like fifty. <laughs> To look back 50. on, that sounds way more yes. stressful because it's it's enough <laughs> stressful for me when I look back. Um, but really when I looked back, I was like, there is a clear standout here. It was an awesome of the week from the spring, which I remember saying even then that this did not feel very spring-like, but it was too good not to share. It is a recipe. Okay. It is the salsa verde chicken rice tortilla soup. Oh yeah. A lot of words. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I got turned on to this by longtime listener and show supporter, Sarah Bessie. She mentioned in her newsletter that she had found this soup. It's from Half Baked Harvest. And she said, it's just so good. The flavors are so good. So Sarah and I are very similar and like what we like to eat. A lot of the things that I recommend to her, she really loves. And then she recommends back to me and I really love. So I, I tried it immediately. And even though 2023's winter in the north was brutal. It was like so long and so much snow and so cold. I was so over soup by the time that she suggested this recipe. She's in Canada. So she had, she was dealing with the same thing. This like spring is never going to actually come. Right. I was like, okay. I mean, like I'm so tired of soup, but it's new. It's different. Maybe that will cheer me up. And you guys, it totally did. And now we're back into a cozy season and I'm making it again and I'm being reminded at how Good, it is. So I will tell you the flavors in it in case yeah. you like to do like I do, like the. Okay, I'm gonna imagine. I'm gonna imagine all these these things okay. going into my pot, into my it. mouth. Yes. The thing I love about it too is that it's super easy. Like you can make it; it doesn't require a lot of prep work um, or time to cook after you actually get it in the pot. So it's really just like extra virgin olive oil and yellow onions. You cook those, and then you right it right into that. You add um, boneless, skinless chicken thighs. Okay, and then you put in some seasoning: chili powder, smoked paprika, oregano, kosher um, salt, and black pepper. So those are all going to cook. You're kind of just cooking the top layer of the chicken. You know, like you're not trying to cook the chicken fully there, but it's just to get the spices all warmed up and everything start smelling good. You add to that poblano peppers that are chopped, and you know, a little pro tip. One of the other awesomes of the week that I considered was in the late summer. I said that did you know you can freeze jalapeno. Peppers, oh, whole. right? Yes, you know. Yes, so yes. So, I don't know that you would want to freeze a poblano chili pepper whole because they're so big. Yeah. So I did. I did buy at one of the last farmers markets like a whole thing, like a big bag, you know, of like twenty different poblano chilies. And so I did the other day, cut them all up, dice them, just like was like I'm just just going to be one of those things when I watch a TV show, and I froze them. So these for me, I just can pull out, you know half cup of chopped poblano, but really how long does it take? It doesn't take that long to cut a yeah. pepper. Put that in with some salsa verde that you're going to buy at the store. So it's a green salsa. Um, some chicken broth and then you're going to let that simmer so that the chicken gets cooked and tenderizes, you know? Yeah. So like even really 15, 20 minutes, you're going to pull the chicken out. You're going to be able to shred it and add it back in with some black beans. And then it also has rice in it. So this is like one of those things where Rice, well, if you add that too early, it's going to absorb all of the liquid. Yeah. So add that at the end. I have some kids who don't even like rice and soup, which is sacrilege in my <laughs> I mean, so you know, so Korean family. <laughs> they're, but they're <laughs> like, like rice. I'm sorry. Are you denying your heritage? Are you racist? Are you racist? Like that's how it feels to my husband. It's like a personal friend. Um. So. I will sometimes just make a bag of Trader Joe's brown rice, like that, which I have long, long loved that they have yeah. in their frozen section. Yes. And then I'll, I'll like put rice in the bottom of the bowls and add the soup on top so that people oh, who don't want it. And then also the nice thing about that is that then there's no rice in any of the leftover soup. Right. Yes, it will just like a pasta, like it'll absorb a lot of yes. the liquid. Yes. And there if it sits too long. Um, but if you're going to eat it all, you could add it right in. It doesn't matter. It's one of those recipes that I found, I made and immediately went into like the regular rotation. It's not like, well, that was fun. I'll make that once a year. It was like every other week we're going to be eating the soup.
0: Yes. Oh, that's so good. And sounds so delicious.
1: I'm like, I'm hungry. I could go for a
0: bowl of that right now. It sounds so good. I know. See, it's not fair to
1: talk about it not have samples for everybody. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, but go make it. We'll put the link in the show notes. Yes, for
0: sure. Thank you, Kelly. That sounds so good. And as I'm sure you awesomes can tell, I'm fighting a little bit of a cold. And so I'm like, yes, give me all the soothing, comforting chicken soup. That sounds delicious. Rebecca, how about you? What was awesome of the year for you in 2023?
2: Well, I feel like I had a lot of standout awesomes of the week and some of them I'm going to be mentioning later on as we're talking about the best things in pop culture that we consume this year. But the one thing that I had to pick for the awesome of the year is my Caden Cross Body Bag from Target. Oh,
0: good. Mm.
2: This is a purse that I purchased and- Really gave a good try to before even bringing it to the awesomes, and I mentioned it in June of this past year on our uh, Keep Awesome Sicily episode. I chose this <laughs> one because I truly have been using it every single day. It's only Love a it. twenty-five dollar purse. I am obsessed with it. This this is why I'm obsessed with it <laughs> because number one, I think it looks cute. Which my old purse, yeah. arguably, did not look
1: cute. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was functional. It was function over form.
2: <laughs> um, I wouldn't even say it was functional, Kelly. Like, that's oh, the crazy no. thing okay. about my old purse. It was like a clutch, and it it was just an odd shape. It was an odd color. It was an odd texture. My friends, I think, probably talked bad about me behind my back with this (laughs) ugly purse that I used all the time. I mean, it just was – I'll have to share a picture. I think I have one somewhere before I threw it away. Um, It was terrible. And this is not terrible, which is like such
0: an upgrade.
1: wait wait wait, this is this is your awesome of the year this is not terrible (laughs) no that's not the phrase this is amazing it's not terrible you guys you should you should try it
2: (laughs) i'm just saying that for somebody who really uh lacks fashion sense this was like a go-to win for me like an easy win i think anybody would enjoy this style of purse maybe not for like all occasions. But for me, it's been working really well. And the best part is, is that it is functional and that I can put my Kindle in my purse. My old purse was not even big enough to hold a Kindle. So for me, that is why the Caden Cross Body Bag from Target is my awesome of the year.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, I love that, Rebecca. I mean, who doesn't love a little wardrobe upgrade? to really make the year amazing. And then also, if it's like $25 at Target, hello. Perfect.
2: (laughs) Now I just need to apply this wardrobe upgrade to multiple levels of my life in my closet in other areas as well.
0: <laughs> there you go. That's goals for 2024 for sure. Um, as I looked back on my awesomes of the week, I noticed a trend. Normally I feel like I have a lot more products that are awesome of the week. And I don't know if it's because I I hardly had any this year. I think it might be because we did a couple of really product heavy shows. My episodes with Julie are always um really product-based. And we did that, the internet made me buy it episode, which was so huge and packed with all kinds of stuff. So I was so surprised when I looked at Awesomes of the Week. I was like, what, did I buy anything this year? (laughs) Yes, rest assured I did. But my Awesome of the Week is not a product. It is a podcast. And for this one, we are going way back, all the way back in 2023 to episode Four twenty-six, which aired on January twenty-sixth, me and Rebecca discussing the pandemic broke me. Now what? That's that's a that's a far reach back, but you guys, this really was genuinely one of the most awesome parts of my year, and that is the podcast Otherworld. Now Rebecca's had to hear me talk about Otherworld at least uh-huh. at least twice <laughs> at length. I'm so sorry. Not sorry, though.
2: Meg, I was on pins and needles waiting to hear what you were talking about because I didn't remember like, okay, well, what was Meg's awesome of the week for that episode? I don't remember, but I cannot wait to hear it. And
0: I am so, I'm so disappointed. She
1: is. She really is. The, the look on her face is like, oh,
0: man. She's like, you have not shut up about this podcast all year. And it's true. I haven't. I love this show so much. She hasn't. <laughs> Truly. Rebecca's had to hear the most of it. And she's totally, this is not
1: Rebecca's thing. You so, guys know. Rebecca can like take her ear pods out of something. Rebecca's like, and bye. going get a coffee. Gonna- yes. <laughs> I want to hear about it that <laughs>
0: Rebecca's like, tell me when this part's over. I'm going to go read my own book. Okay,
2: no, no, in my defense, I, Meg, I tried it. I listened. Yes, you did. I listened to some episodes. So I did my due diligence and I gave it a go around. Now, tell everybody, again, why you love it. (laughs) Because I support you.
0: Yes. I support you. I'm just going to hit some highlights. So again, this is the Jack Wagner hosted and created show that explores paranormal things, the unexplained. The thing that I love about this show so much and that I feel like makes it different from other podcasts in this genre is that it really focuses on the voices and the storytelling directly Mm -hmm. from the people who experience these paranormal things. So as opposed to hosts kind of recapping, retelling stories, which there's plenty of podcasts like this, I feel like this is one of the few that really highlights the voices and allows people to have the space to tell these really weird stories that happen to them. And for a lot of these people, it's these are stories from their lives that they would never tell anybody else. And yet they're telling thousands of people on microphone with Jack. Another thing I super love about Otherworld is it's not just ghost stories. When we think of paranormal, supernatural That's what comes to mind. There's two episodes that focus on people who have these missing time events episode nine, Over the Fence, and episode 13, The Lost Necklace. People have these experiences where they like wake up and they realize like hours and hours of their life are gone and they don't know what happened. That's weird, you guys. I want to know what happened. Um, It's called a stroke. (laughs) (laughs) genuinely I also appreciate that one of the things that Jack does is he asks like could it have been some kind of a medical event that happened like he always asks those follow-up questions that like Kelly would have like okay maybe you had a little (laughs) little, I'm like uh, taking
1: this with a very scientific brain yeah yeah yeah, exactly like like, not that there aren't things that we can't explain but like usually there are explanations we just don't know what they are yet Exactly.
0: Um, episodes thirty three and thirty-four called the Uaris are about this, this really chilling encounter with a big fit like creature. Episodes twenty-two and twenty-three, the ball of light, is about a woman who accidentally became this really incredibly um, perceptive like medium. She doesn't call herself a medium or a psychic, but she just like has these experiences where she like knows things about people. Also this year on Otherworld, there's a five-part series telling the story of Eilish Poe, who's a woman who survived an attempted murder in a domestic violence situation. And there are definitely supernatural elements to that story, but Jack gives her all of the space and time to tell her whole story. It's like about so much more than the supernatural elements. And I just thought that was really profound. He as a host is the perfect combination of skeptic and believer. And I feel like through this whole year, we've gotten to follow along and go on this journey with him of coming to understand that there are so many things that we don't have answers for. And he has an open mind about that and encourages open mindedness about it. But he also, as a producer of this show, really investigates and really vets the stories that he chooses to spotlight because there are stories. I'm sure he gets hundreds and hundreds of emails that do have like Kelly intimated, like they a rational explanation for what happened. And I feel like in that sense, it really builds trust with the audience. You know, that if it's a story that he's highlighting and brought somebody on the show to tell that it really is unexplained. Like there really isn't a rational explanation for this thing that happened production wise. I love this show so much. They do all their own original scoring. So there's original music in every episode, And having worked with people's stories the way I did when Laura and I, Laura Tremaine and I were creating Smartest Person in the Room, I know that there is such a craft to taking the raw material of somebody telling their story and kind of shaping it and shaving off pieces and molding it into a coherent story so that what happened to them really shines through and you're not distracted by just the raw experience of somebody getting on microphone and telling a story. So, just overall, like this is a must listen for me every single week. I love it so much. And I'm so happy that Jack created this show. And it genuinely, again, Rebecca could testify how <laughs> much to her annoyance <laughs> is the show that I can't stop talking about all year. You, if you guys think this is bad, feel sorry for Kyle and the kids because I will every week give them a recap of what was told on Otherworld. We recently drove to Florida. AJ and I were front seat in that drive, and I made her listen to If You Have a Sense of Otherworld. I was like, we've got 14 hours ahead of us. What else are we going to do? Let's listen to Otherworld. <laughs> so definitely an awesome of the year for me.
2: Okay. I have a follow-up question, yes, though, Yes, yes. Because I remember when you originally brought this as your awesome of the week, you you were um a little – what am I trying to say? You – you were not so impressed with one of the episodes that it was about gnomes. Oh, yeah. And you were like, I don't need to listen to that yeah. one.
0: Did you end up listening to the one I about did. gnomes? Yeah. I did. I've listened to every <laughs> single episode at least once. Um, I did. And there are definitely <laughs> episodes where even I am skeptical. Like, I don't know about this. This is a little out there even for me. And that's saying something. But, again, I appreciate <laughs> the storytelling of it all. So... Uh, the world Awesome of the Year for me. Okay, so we do have a tradition that at the end of every year, not only do we share our Awesomes of the Year with you, we want to hear what was Awesome of the Year in your life, Awesome. So again, make sure that you are in the Hangout or connected with us on Instagram so we can hear all about the Awesome of your year, of your 2023, whether it was pop culture or a recipe or an app or a personal thing that happened. You know, we want to hear all about it. We have so much to talk about, so much ground to cover. We're going to cover our pop culture favorites from 2023 when we come right back. Hi, friends. As many of you know, we are big fans of Book of the Month here at Sort of Awesome. We've been talking about Book of the Month and how much we love their curation and discovery process for years here on the show. And this year in 2023, they completely changed my world when they started offering audiobooks. As I've said many times on Sorta Awesome, most of my reading gets done on audio. You know, Book of the Month is going to pick five to seven best new books for you to choose from, and their selections always focus on new and upcoming authors, which I super love and appreciate. And yes, it is so fun to get that blue box at the beginning of the month if I pick a print book. But this year, I've really loved being able to get those same curated books in audio form with Book of the Month audiobooks. You can choose, download, and listen to your book right in the Book of the Month app. So now you get two formats to choose from. You can get a hardcover or an audiobook each month. One of my favorite books of 2023 is Divine Rivals by Rebecca Ross, which I discovered and listened to right in the Book of the Month app. I cannot wait to see what 2024 will bring in discovering new audiobooks from Book of the Month. So friends, this is a great time to go check out Book of the Month if you haven't before. Go to bookofthemonth.com to pick a book and join Book of the Month. And for a limited time, you can join and get that first book for just $5 with code you. That's F-O-R-Y-O-U. Again, it's a limited time offer. You can join and get that first book for just $5 with code you at bookofthemonth.com. Okay, we are back in this week on Sorta Awesome. We are doing our year-end review. We are reflecting back on all of the awesome from 2023. Let's talk pop culture. And Kelly, let's get things started with our favorite watches of the year. What topped the charts for you in things that you watched this year? I can't wait to hear all about it.
1: Yeah, well... I don't even remember which sitcoms I watched this year. I mean, most recently I talked about American Auto. That's like really the shows that I'm watching on a daily basis are sitcoms. However, the shows that I'm bringing for my shows of 2023 are both dramas and they are both from Apple TV. And they are Shrinking, oh, which yeah. came out in January I forgot of about this that. year. Yeah, yes. so good. Season one, season two likely to come out in 2024. It, it was renewed, but they haven't released a date. So if you have not watched Shrinking, that is so good. Jason Segal, um, Harrison Ford. It, it, really, the cast is phenomenal. And it follows yeah. a grieving therapist who Jason Seagal plays. His name is Jimmy. He starts to break the rules yes. and tell his clients really what he thinks that they should do because. If most of us who have been in therapy, you know that like that, that's not what they do. They don't tell you what to do. They just like reflect back to you. They ask you questions. And so he, as a therapist in the first episode is like losing his mind over people whining and whining and whining. And finally he's like, Oh my word. Yes. But mixed into all of this. So there's that kind of funny story. And mixed into all of this is the fact that his wife has recently died and he has a teenage daughter um and like how that's going and um it's just i i said when i think it was an awesome i know it was an awesome of of the week too for me yes. um at the time i said like this is it feels like a good show for this moment in time because we've all lost something over the last few years um we are like just it, it talks so much about grief and normalizing grief yeah. and how it can look and how it can feel and how it spreads out and Yet the show is hysterical too. So it's not like this, oh, you're going to have to like get tissues and it's going to be this big deep dive that like cuts you open. It will flail you open in the way that you don't see it coming
0: and then you'll be laughing
1: 10 seconds later, um, which is kind of how grief works. So it's a fantastic show. If you haven't watched it, you still have time to watch season one before season two happens. But really the standout show for me this year was the end of Ted Lasso another apple show um season 3 the final season came out this year and um, i waited on it because i was like oh, i know this is like the end this is the end 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 so i didn't really watch it until the summer even though i think it also came out in the spring and you guys i mean i really don't think i have anything that i need to say about ted lasso i think that it is a moment in cultural phenomenon and um, it's just the most heartwarming story the, the way they center kindness And relationship and hope, um, watching the character arcs as they change and grow, um, it just it it undid me and remade me in a way that like I I have learned lessons. In fact, I'm going to talk about some of them later, like from Ted Lasso. And the great thing is, is that because it had been so long, like I had watched season three this year, and as soon as I finished it, I was like, I am not done with this show. I am starting right back over. And like literally, I went back, season one, episode one, and hit play, and there are so many things that I had forgotten. See, the The final episode for the show that came out this year has so many Easter eggs that harken back to the oh, very first one. So it was actually yeah. kind of a beautiful thing because you're like, look at the beautiful... Like arc and and almost like a circle that they have like made here is they they've taken so many storylines and they even put a bow on it even though most of us don't remember unless you've watched it all in like three days you're binging the whole all three seasons it's just it's one of those shows that both shows lots of swearing so if that bothers you it's a it's a shame because (laughs) both shows have so much to offer. Yes. outside of the swearing. But they do swear a lot. There's certainly a lot of mention of sex, um, but they're just wonderful, wonderful stories. I'm so glad to have lived at a time when this kind of television is being made. This is what I will always look back. And I'm I'm sure even though they're not the sitcoms that I go to every day, these are the shows that have marked me and that I will continue to go back and watch the rest of my life.
0: I love that. Oh, so good. So good. I forgot about shrinking and thank you for the heads up that another season is coming. That was so good. So great. So, so good. And it ended
1: on a cliffhanger, which of course I'm not going to give away, but you know, you're like, Oh, oh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they, they were like pretty quickly. They said, yes, obviously we're picking up a season two, but yeah. like I said, they so haven't good. announced when it's going to come out. So hopefully in the next few weeks we'll hear yes. when it's going to drop.
0: Okay. Thank you, Kelly. Love to hear it. Rebecca, how about you? What topped your list for watch this year? Well, I would say
2: that the best thing that I watched this year was Jury Duty on Amazon Prime. Yes. This show was phenomenal. I made it my awesome of the week in episode 453. And if you have not yet watched it, I don't know what you're waiting for. <laughs> Watch it over your like holiday break. Oh, it is yes. so bingeable. Yes. Um the premise of the show is that we have Ronald Gladden who is on jury duty and he believes that everything is normal. He's walking into this Jury selection process in his real ordinary life with other real ordinary strangers. When in fact he's actually walking onto a set, yep. and everyone around him is an actor. Uh-huh. They have planned for him, they have scripted moments for him, and they are improving moments with him. The entire thing is fake in a mind blowing way, except for Ron Yep, it's. It's insanity. It is innovative television. As Kelly is talking about, like monumental historic TV. I this is also, I think, a monumental historic television moment. It is so innovative. It is the awkwardness and the silliness <laughs> and the uncomfortableness of the office at times. Yep. But it's but the guy's like real. Yes. <laughs> and he doesn't know that it's fake. It was just so incredibly good. Um, that was the episode that I had Nate on with. Yeah. Me, and we had watched right. the show together and it was so fun for the two of us to come together to bring that as our awesome of the week.
0: Yes. Yeah. I watched it immediately after that and I loved it. It is perfect television. It's perfectly executed. I loved it so much. It was absolutely on my list too for this year. So
2: yay. Now I will say another additional uh, best watch for me kind of a surprise thing that i just did with my kids is we watched season one of traders on peacock so traders is a competition reality show i think it's i i, I think it's like kind of part of like the cbs family except maybe not because actually there's other cast members that are on it too. So they okay, so they combine uh rea- past reality TV stars with some ordinary people, non reality TV people. And I thought originally that it was maybe like CBS related because there's survivor people on there, there's big brother people on there, but there's also uh people from the bachelor, people from like real housewives. So it is like a whole mix of people. And they come together and they stay at a castle and they go through these challenges together to earn money for the pot, the, the, the prize at the end. Okay. And the thing is, is that uh, three of the people staying at the castle have been selected to be traitors. And the goal is for them to eliminate all of the traitors out of the game. And so it's the traitors versus the faithfuls. And if the traitors get to the end of the game, they get all of the money. But if the faithfuls are only, if there's only faithfuls that remain at the end of the game, then they will split the prize pot. Oh, so it's really this um, uh, game of deception, of lying, of of traitors like looking people in the eye and saying, "I'm a faithful. How how you? There's no reason oh, to doubt wow. me. How could you even like consider voting me out?" And part of the process of how they're eliminating people is the traitors gather every night and they choose to, in quotes, murder someone, and that person doesn't come to breakfast the next morning they receive a note at bedtime that they have been eliminated from the game and they're not there in the morning at breakfast so then at breakfast everybody's sitting around traders and faithfuls included and they're they're waiting for to see they come in in groups of oh who who's it down to oh it's just these two people left oh who's it gonna be who did the traders get rid of and they're having to you know, just put on this face, this facade of like shock and all along with everybody else. It's just fascinating. And then if they do these challenges then to earn money and everybody's like talking and back and forth and speculating with each other, who do you think it is while they're doing these challenges? And then at the end of the day, They all gather around, and they have um, a banishing, where as a collective group, they vote to banish somebody. This is where the faithfuls have an opportunity to eject a traitor from the game. And then when they're ejected from the game, they have to present to everybody in the circle of truth. Are you a
0: faithful (laughs) or are you a traitor? This is very traumatic. It
2: is. And it's just, it's so fun. And and the thing that I really loved about it is that I watched it with my kids. We had been watching Big Brother together and we really got into this groove of enjoying sitting down and catching up on Big Brother together. And when I heard that there was some Big Brother contestants that were on Traders, I thought, why don't we try this? And I would say it's extremely clean with the exception of some language. There is a little bit of language here and there, but for the most part, it's a very clean, low stakes show. Uh, Great to watch with like, you know, I mean, my kids are 14, 11, and even my six-year-old would watch. So we had a great time with it. And uh, Trader season two is going to be coming out. And that they eliminated um, the regular citizens, and it's all reality TV people. Yeah. So there's probably somebody on there that you're going to know, and I'm looking forward to that in uh, 2024.
0: Sounds fantastic. I want to watch it with
1: my kids too. And it as sounds I was just- so stressful. I'm like over here cringing through both of your shows, Rebecca. It's so funny. Like, our taste. I love this show, like, this year end shows, though, because we all bring something yes. so different to it. Like, our Venn diagrams overlap, but when we come and bring our best of, they it's are like in their own individual they're, spaces. They're and I'm like, I, the whole time, both of Rebecca's shows, I'm like, that sounds miserable. I would never, ever, 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 ever watch that. Ever, ever. It's like my skin is crawling. The uncomfortableness of it for me. And this is where I completely diverge from pop culture, like completely. Like I can barely (laughs) handle watching clips of Great great British Bake Off. Like, I mean, I just- Oh my gosh. I can't. So I don't watch reality TV, but that does sound so interesting, Rebecca. Like I can't do it, but I can see why, like such a good recommendation for so many families. Yeah, like you said, like just it's yeah. because there's games like that that we play as families or you know like in school yeah. like that's you know the liar trader thing. And so it's yes. just a yes. Yes. big version of it. It's like the big big dramatic version of it. It's yeah. just I'm so uncomfortable thinking about it.
2: Well, for the record, I haven't watched either of the shows that you brought for your <laughs> right that's <laughs> your what I mean. Watch either.
1: That's what I mean. Like we're all and like that Point interesting. You
2: you you called it like so heartwarming, and I was like, "Ugh, I do not want it heartwarming." <laughs> uh,
1: that's brilliant. you want drama. You want suspense. You want the 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 traitor things, do. and I'm like, I don't want any of that. Okay, so Meg, can you bring us together, or are you going to go in a totally different direction still yet? I
0: think I can bring all of us together with saying that my one of my number one watches of the year was the Barbie movie. Like, okay. I oh, am okay. so. <laughs> I'm so thankful for that movie. I find myself unironically saying, well, you know, it's like in the Barbie movie when, you know, da-da-da-da. Like, I (laughs) cannot even believe what a perfect piece of American cinema that movie is. I think that having teenage daughters and watching that movie and just having those conversational connection points, like, I just... It was so powerful and so meaningful to me. It was my Austin of the week at some point. I think it was over the summer. Um, I just loved it so much, and I think about it a lot, a lot. So there is that. Um, TV wise, I first of all, you you guys know me. I'm fully enneagram nine. When people are talking, I'm like, that sounds amazing. I can see why you would love that. I would totally watch that. I I know Kelly. Um, you and I both have enjoyed the show. Never have I ever. Mm -hmm. on Netflix, season four, the final season came out this year. I loved it so much. All of I noticed as I was thinking about my favorites from TV, except for Jury Duty, which was brand new. And I agree with Rebecca, so innovative and so just like unexpected. I loved it so much. But everything else was like follow-up seasons. So Never Have I Mm -hmm. Ever, season four. Heartstopper, season two, I loved so much. I've rewatched multiple times. I did a lot of rewatching this year, as it turns out. My very favorite thing I watched is The Bear Season 2. I don't think either of you have watched The Bear. No. I mean, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen clips of that too, and it stresses me out. No, I have it's not. It's very intense. As a recap, if you do not know, The Bear is about a family um, restaurant in Chicago. The um, It was owned by a family. The older brother of the family was running it. He died by suicide right before Season 1 starts. And his younger the younger brother, the youngest of the family... Carmi Bersado comes in to run it. He's a Michelin starred chef who leaves his rising star uh, culinary career to come and take over the family restaurant and try to untangle the mess that his brother left behind when he died. Season one was fantastic. Season two, I was nervous to push play on because I loved season one so much. I didn't, I didn't know how they could top it. Season two is so good. I have rewatched the entire thing straight through now. Every single time I watch it, I find more things that I just love about this show so much. It's, it takes place in the kitchen of a restaurant, but it is about so much more. It's about family dysfunction, addiction issues, um, the sort of the, the cost of genius and being really good at something and the toll that that takes on your personal life. It's about failure and trying again. Like, it's so brilliant. I love it so much. Every single cast member is absolute perfection. The writing is fantastic. The, the direction, the cinematography of it is stunning. I just, I'm obsessed with it. In fact, Kelly, you kind of mentioned that you're going to talk about a Ted Lasso thing later and lessons you've learned. I've got a thing from the bear that I'll be talking about and lessons that I learned because it's just so good. I love it so much. So those were my favorites from the year.
1: And that is a scripted show. Like I, yeah. when I have seen people talking about it, sometimes I'm like, wait, is this reality? But oh, it, no. I mean, I think it's, it's a lot like, um, it's filmed in some ways. Like when I've seen clips, I'm like, it looks yeah. like it could be a reality TV show. It doesn't always have the same, but it is It is a scripted show. It's like a yeah. dramatic. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's, and it's very chaotically filmed, I feel like. So I think there's some elements. Well, it yeah. conveys the chaos, I guess, really well. Season two right. is not as chaotic, I feel like, as season one was. So, So there's that. And we'll get back to more end of the year conversation when we come right back. Awesome. So let's face it, the holidays can be stressful. And under our cute little reindeer sweaters, we're all stress sweating about gifts and cooking and finding the time for all of the holiday functions. Luckily, no matter how stressful it gets, we can all still smell incredible with Lumi. And right now, as a special offer just for you awesomes, new customers can get $5 off of a Lumi starter pack with code awesome at lumideodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off of your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com and use code awesome. Finding a deodorant that actually works and holds up to the stresses of daily life is something we talk about so much in the awesome community, and Lumi is a game-changing whole body deodorant that was designed by an OBGYN to work not only on your pits, but also your feet, your privates, and beyond. No matter where you use it, Lumi is clinically proven to block odor all day long thanks to its one-of-a-kind pH-optimized formula. I've tried a number of different scents of Lumi deodorant, and you guys, I tested this out by accident the very first time I tried Lumi. When I got sick and didn't shower for three days, normally I would be smelling so funky and not in a good way, but with Lumi, I still smelled great. So I'm telling you, this holiday season, you can cross BO off of the list of things that you need to worry about because Lumi has got you covered. And again, I want you to go check out this special offer that is just for you awesomes. New customers get $5 off of Lumi starter pack with our exclusive code and link. Use code awesome at lumideodorant.com. L-U-M-E- D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T dot com. And again, that's 40% off of your starter pack when you visit loomideodorant.com and use code awesome. Okay, let's get into some reads from the year from 2023. Kelly, any standout reads on your list from the year behind us?
1: I mean, yes, I have read a lot this year. Like I think that producing a book show I was already starting to read more in my life, just generally, like I was in a different phase of parenting, like I had more space, I was starting to build it in. Um, But I just am exposed to so much more while I'm not, I'm not a person who listens to like a lot of book podcasts, that sort of thing, book talk. Um, I'm, I'm very much on the fringe, but I'm exposed to so many things because of what I do for my job. So my number one book, really, and it's a fiction book, came to me via the show I produce at Minnesota public radio. And it is a book called the Whalebone theater by Joanna Quinn. Um, she is a British woman. It is set. It is a historical fiction book. I feel like I might've talked about it on the podcast at one point, but I don't remember exactly where. So the, the basic premise is that the story starts just at the end of world war one. And you're following a, a very Downton Abbey esque sort of family, like that lives in this big house and they have servants. Um, but they're all, these adults are very dysfunctional and they're really grappling with the changes just like in Downton Abbey, like that society is bringing them, you know, like, okay, what did the war mean? And like, can we just get back to our life where everybody serves us now and we do nothing? You know, yeah. um, and, and people are like, I don't think the world's going to work that way anymore. But the story is actually told the first half through the, well, really the whole thing, but it's through the eyes of the children of the house. So they're all like loosely related. Um, like one is a nephew of the other one, you know, sort of a thing, but they're all growing up together in this big house where the adults have abdicated their parenting duty. You know, it's like many, in many cases, it's the downstairs staff. That's like really doing the actual raising. Yes. Of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They run a little feral people come in and out of the house, you know, they, they sponsor artists and, you know, things like that. So the, the lead young girl character, Christabel, um, she, she's a very fierce like she is she doesn't fit like the typical woman you know like at the time especially she wants to have adventures and she reads and they end up the name of the book comes from a whale washing up on the beach they live on the coast of England and it disintegrates and so they end up with this whale bone and so she wants to stage plays inside you know like using this carcass like the bones of this oh, whale wow. as like her theater okay so it's like the, the first half of the book is actually very delightful it's it's like fantastical and like the it's in a childhood imagination sort of way um is they're watching things but you know they're still kids and then yeah. as they grow up like world war Two comes and all oh. three of the kids are young adults and they all enter the war in different ways um And like almost in some ways start to like these things that they used to have fantasies about or make up adventures, like now it's real. Oh, wow. It was so good and so compelling. The relationships were so rich. The historical parts of it were so good. I, I learned so much and I really felt like, not that I hadn't ever imagined it before, but living through a British mindset, a European mindset, like this is not about America, you know. Um of World War II it was so much longer that yeah. they were involved in this conflict than we were as a country and and looking at all of the things that they were enduring and had endured and all the societal changes so much happening at once yes um, really gave me a new perspective and it like a it grew me you know in a way sure. that I wasn't expecting which is what I think the best sort of fiction does absolutely so, really fantastic book anybody could read it it's it's it does have some sad things in it but it's not like overall like everybody's dead at the end sort of you know like sometimes you read a book and you're like am I going to get invested in these characters and then at the end you know like it's it doesn't there's a lot of hope in it and there's a lot of growth but it's it's compelling and I I did put it down because I have to live my life but I always was so (laughs) eager to go back and pick it up again yeah so that was for sure my number one book of the year so again the whalebone theater by Joanna Quinn I don't I don't traditionally like
0: World War II era literature. I just, it's not my thing. But the way you're describing this in the family dynamic, it sounds absolutely fascinating. So I may have to pick it up. Thank you, Kelly. Rebecca, I know you were feeling a little angsty as we were thinking about reads from 2023 because- you've also read
1: a lot. <laughs> she's
0: she's read a lot, you guys. Rebecca has read a lot. Uh were you able to kind of narrow it down to some best (laughs) of to share with the awesomes?
2: Yeah. I feel like this year in particular was a struggle for me for preparing for this episode, just because there was so much for me to choose from. And also not just a lot to choose from, but like A lot of very different content because I also read some nonfiction this year, which I typically hardly ever, ever, ever read nonfiction. Okay, so some notable nonfiction that I read this year. And I'm just going to touch on these very briefly because I think these all were mentioned on the show already as a whole. So the first was How to Stay Married by Harrison Scott Key. This is a nonfiction memoir told from the perspective of a man who. Dealt with uh, infidelity in his marriage. And he is so funny about a topic that is not funny at all. When that book ended, I immediately started crying and went and hugged my husband. (laughs) I was like, I'm so glad we're still married. <laughs> it just was like such an intense read and it was so inspiring and so heartwarming and so challenging to put myself in his position and to think like, how would I choose to respond in the situation? Um, it was just, it's a, it's a book that I continued to think about even after I finished it. I know that Mindy mentioned it Um already on the on the show. So I'll briefly move on to the great sex rescue. Sheila's magnificent work that we dedicated an entire episode to. If you have not listened to the sex episode, um highly recommend it. This book just really deconstructs everything that um you may have been taught if you were living in a certain um cultural environment like I was as a as a kid, and as a young married woman. Amazing Absolutely amazing book. And then last was Cast by Isabel Wilkerson. This book really was very educational for me in looking at the way that the United States has set up its own sort of caste system when it comes to race in our country. And that perhaps it's not even a racism issue that we have, but a actual like caste system that we have uh, divided races into, which is... um, Very disturbing. It was... It was a a difficult but important read, in, in my opinion. So, those were books that I felt were really educational for me and inspiring and challenging. And I'm glad that I read them and they were all five star nonfiction books, which, goodness sakes, I never thought I would ever say that I have five star nonfiction books on my list because I am a passionate romance novel reader and this is just not what I am used to reading. So, for my absolute best read of the year um, in the fiction category, it was really hard to decide. I've ha- read some very good books, some that I've even mentioned on the show. I, I'm having an excellent reading moment with Trauma Bond, <laughs> but I made that my awesome of the week for my best of Rebecca show. So I'm, I'm not going to touch on that one here, but I am granting my best read of the year to Abby Jimenez and her book Yours Truly. Abby does such an amazing job at writing men who are obsessed with women in like a very healthy way. (laughs) That sounds really bad, but in a very healthy way of just being head over heels for women. And her books always just, like, give me the literal tingles, butterflies in my stomach. Okay, so in the book, Yours Truly, we have Brie and Jacob. And this is a workplace romance. They're both doctors. They uh, Brie has been working at this hospital for a while, and Jacob is new on the scene. They do not have a good first impression with each other. But what ends up happening is they start exchanging letters back and forth oh my goodness i cannot i cannot get enough <laughs> of Episcolary in romance it is just like one of my absolute favorite tropes. And so this slow burn relationship starts feel, uh, building between them through letters that they are writing back and forth to each other in the workplace. This book has fake dating. It has only one bed. And one of the best parts for me is that it also deals with Uh, Jacob's anxiety. He really struggles with anxiety. And we see Brie being a support to him and a caregiver to him through this mental health issue that he's having in a way that we don't always see in romance. I think a lot of the times what I tend to notice is men stepping in to support women and providing care for women, but it's not often the other way around. And so here we have Jacob, who is maybe being presented in, in quotes, I say, weak and Bree being able to be the one to build him up and to give him strength. I absolutely love this book. It Like I said, it gave me literal butterflies. Abby is just amazing at what she does. And um, she's winning my award for best read of the year.
0: Okay. I'm so thankful that you picked the best of out of a year filled with great reading to share with us. Great selections, as always. I Always love to hear what you're reading. And I love the journey of a reader that we've gotten to experience in real time with Rebecca from the beginning of the show until now. I have to tell you guys, like confession, this was not the best reading year for me. I was doing all kinds of other pop culture things. Apparently, I was rewatching The Bear too many times. <laughs> That's how it goes some years though, for sure. Exactly. Stand out for me. I usually read a lot of nonfiction and I really didn't this year. But of course, Laura Tremaine's The Life counsel. the whole release around it, getting to read and getting to have her come and talk to us about it. was lots of fun. I loved that that book came out this year. Fiction-wise, I'm just gonna just briefly. I was looking through my Kindle library, my Audible library, all the libraries to remember what I read. I really genuinely loved Emily Henry's book, Happy Place. I know so many people loved it. It was great romance, but also I loved how Emily Henry crafts her characters and her stories. So that you get a lot. It's so much more than romance. Rebecca Ross's Divine Rivals was great, kind of fantastical fantasy slash mythology slash adventure i loved it and the sequel to that is coming out at the end of december i'm so excited about that and then i know i talked about none of this is true by lisa Jewell, which was the thriller that takes place in the context of a podcast production again that is well worth it if you listen to any audiobook that one is one that you really i think if you experience it on audio it's just brilliantly done I still think about the ending of that book from time to time because it was quite puzzling. So just a great book. Okay, more end of the year talk with me, Kelly and Rebecca when we come right back. Friends, as 2023 wraps up and we head into 2024, you might be thinking about how can I elevate dinners in a healthy way in the new year? And for the answer to that, I'm going to send you straight to Green Chef. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating clean, and you can let Green Chef take the work out of eating clean this holiday season and beyond with chef-crafted, nutritionist-approved recipes featuring fresh ingredients with nothing artificial. That means you can nourish yourself and your family all holiday season long by choosing from over 80 weekly options that change every week, featuring delicious, nutritionist-approved recipes, and you can mix and match your meals to meet your lifestyle needs, including quick and easy meals, protein-packed, calorie smart, Mediterranean, keto, gluten free and plant based. And this is so awesome. You don't have to lose track of healthy eating habits during the holidays because every Green Chef customer gets a free session with one of their registered dietitians who can walk you through how to make clean eating work for you. Not only are they healthy, but even my picky eaters love meals like the maple butternut squash risotto and the sriracha tamari beef bowls. To make healthy eating even easier this holiday season, and in the new year, go to greenchef.com 60 awesome and use code 60 awesome to get 60% off plus 20% off of your next two months. Again, that is greenchef.com slash 60, the number 60 awesome and use code 60 awesome to get 60% off plus you're going to get 20% off of your next two months greenchef.com slash 60 awesome. All right, let's go ahead and talk about some of our listens from 2023, whether it was you know, music, podcasts, YouTube, whatever. I fully believe that paying for the YouTube premium subscription is so worth it if you or your family watches a lot of YouTube because you don't have to deal with ads and you can listen to things in the background, which I find myself doing a lot. You can like put it on background on your phone is what I'm saying. So Let's talk listens, Kelly. What tops your list for the best listens of 2023
1: for you? Okay. So I'm actually bringing a podcast. And it's funny because I never talked about this in my awesomeness of the week, but I could have. And I certainly talked about it in the hangout sometimes. And I promise I'm going to say this as a disclosure, like to be upfront. This is a podcast that is produced by the company that I work for, like the parent company. It's APM American Public Media's sold the story podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this podcast actually came out, I think, in 2022. So it didn't come out in this year, but I listened to it this year. Um, yeah. and I think a lot of people did because it picked up steam. This is a podcast. It is, you know, like a lot of journalism sort of podcasts. It's a investigative story. So it's just the one season. It's really doing a deep dive into how teaching kids in America to read went so wrong. So, yeah. It's basically saying that for a generation, we have known what works and what doesn't. But this other curriculum that we now know does not work was so powerful in schools and school districts and had so much sway that you had to teach it that way. And it was not using Fox basically. Like that's kind of the story is this other method that came into schools in like the 70s and the 80s was like, let's just do word repetition. Or what can you infer the meaning from looking at pictures and these sorts of things? But as a result, America's reading scores have gone really, they're dismal. They're dismal with the rest of the world. And we have lots of people who are like, I went to the whole school system and I can't read. Like I'm trying to figure out words because I was never really taught how to read. So this podcast talks about like the curriculum, like how it got here. It talks to the players involved. It talks to people like who can't read. Like the most impactful story was a veteran who was in the Vietnam war and could not read. And he ended up in a hospital, like with somebody, a dying soldier. And the soldier said, can you just write down a letter to my mom? And he couldn't, he couldn't do it. So he said, I just pretended to write. And then he died. Oh, it was devastating. Like therapy, you know, like that's marked his life. So as like a 50 year old man, he's finally learning to read. It's just a really interesting. If you work in education, if you have kids, Again, this is not a long podcast. It's like maybe seven, eight episodes. I know that Emily Hanford, the reporter who did it, she just said they're translating it into Spanish. It's won like every award that it can win this last year. It was one of the top podcasts in New York Times. It won an Edward Murrow award, all these things. Really, really good journalism, but it's really interesting listening. So if you want, it's kind of, it's not like entertaining, you know, in that sense, like it's good storytelling, but it's, right. it's not mm-hmm. like you're going to get lost in a novel. This is real world stuff, you know? But it was really profound, really shaped me. I thought it was just a very well-done podcast. And the way that you were saying earlier, Meg, like, you know, this podcast is interesting, but also as somebody who works in this field, you can pick out and be like, oh, I can see what they did here. It's so good. And so yeah. I felt like that about this. So that's my podcast, what I was listening to. But then I thought of something else that was kind of funny. This is on Spotify. Everybody can go listen to it. It is a Spotify pre-curated playlist called Cozy Acoustic Morning. Mm, I actually use it to fall asleep every night. Oh, nice. So like six out of seven nights, it is playing on my Alexa when I'm going to bed because the music is very mellow. My daughter actually found it first, which is true. So many things in my life, you know, like they find the things and then I'm like, oh, that's cool. She was the one who was listening to it at night. It is acoustic. It's guitar. It's not peppy. So I'm like, I don't know. I wouldn't want to listen to it in the morning. It would put me back to sleep. And maybe it's like for people who get up at like 4 a.m. and really want a slow start in the day and they're not worried about falling back asleep. Like, to me, it's very soothing and it is very cozy. But I'm like, I want to wrap up into a blanket and snuggle down to my pillow. Then, Like, you know, so this is truly what I've been listening to in 2023. Like, if, if, you know, when you get your Spotify wrapped for the year Mm -hmm. and we're all parents and we're like, look, Spotify this is not me. (laughs) And I did get Taylor her own account, but she used my account for so long that it's not me. But I was like, if they say, Kelly, you've been listening to Cozy Acoustic Morning more than anything else, they would not be wrong because I listen to it every day. So Cozy Acoustic Morning on Spotify is truly what I was listening to in 2023.
0: I love that. I love a great playlist for sure. And I've been meaning to listen to that the solo story podcast too so this is the reminder i needed that i need to get to that for sure rebecca how about you top listens for the year
2: well i have not done as much listening of music or podcasts this year as i have other years because i've been increasing my audiobook listens right you know there's a finite amount of time that we can listen to things and i kind of had to shuffle some things around So when I looked back at my awesomes of the week for the whole year, I did not name a single podcast
0: as my awesome of the week. Oh, wow, that's different. Yeah. That
2: is different. But I did talk about Nick Vial and his book, Don't Text Your Ex Happy Birthday. And in that awesome of the week, I did mention his podcast, The Vial Files, which I am giving a mention here because he has these Ask Nick episodes that are so fascinating. They're like a guilty pleasure for me. And I don't claim hardly any of my pleasures to be guilty pleasures, but I would maybe call this one actually a guilty pleasure. So Nick Vial, he's in the Bachelor franchise world. He was a contestant on The Bachelorette twice, went on to Bachelor in Paradise, then became The Bachelor himself. He does reality deep dive podcasts on his podcast, The Vial Files. But then he also does these Ask Nick episodes and they are juicy goodness. Like if you, <laughs> if you want just like a little taste of somebody else's life drama without yeah. it having any impact at all on your own life, like these are the podcast episodes to listen to. And not only does he provide excellent advice, like modern day Dear Abby, like he is so good at his advice that he gives. So I feel like it can actually be helpful a little bit to like, remove some of the toxicness of your, in your own relationships and listen to some of his advice. But then he goes on to do these follow-up update episodes, which is the best because then, you know, you get so invested in the story, in this relationship. And you're like, oh, I'm dying to hear what happens. Do they take the advice? What happens? And then he provides them. He provides these update episodes and they're just like, you could listen to just an update episode and get so much enjoyment out of it. Some of the titles, you know, just to give a little taste as to why I call this like my guilty pleasure. Should I leave my husband for my first love? Oh, the man I want to marry asked for a break. I need to stop a wedding in two weeks. Like it's. <laughs> oh, why? <my. laughs> it's drama and it's not my drama. So I'm here for it. But I will say that the most moving listening experience that I had, like outside of the audiobook world for me this year
1: hand outside of Harry house okay i just have of to course. mention <laughs> yeah of i course. mean we knew yes. it's like when you say people say what's what your book thing. and you're like well the bible but yeah, yeah. exactly the other yeah. exactly yeah. besides Harry Styles.
2: okay it was your own backyard oh uh, thank you you listen i mean i listened to your own backyard it's produced when it first when yeah. it first came
1: out say more about it though i don't know
2: okay it's a podcast by chris lambert he originally started it in 2019 And it is a true crime podcast, and it's about the disappearance of Kristen Smart, who is a college student who never returned to her dorm room after a party. So in 2019, the podcast gained a lot of attention and brought to light a lot of questions about how the police handled the initial investigation. And in fact, the case ended up gaining enough momentum that a suspect was then brought to trial in 2022. So Chris Lambert continued to report on the trial as it unfolded and came to a close with a verdict. He then this year released five episodes he titled The Conclusion. In those episodes, he breaks down the closing arguments in the trial. He interviews the jury and the prosecuting team and finally ends the conversation with Kristen Smart's family.
0: Uh, Now- I'm gonna start crying.
2: I know, I (laughs) cried multiple times listening to this. Yes, And not just because, oh, this is like so sad, but it was like cathartic. It was so healing. So the reason that I'm saying this is one of my best listens of the year is for two reasons. Number one, just because of how meaningful and healing it was to hear a conclusion to Mm -hmm. this previously unsolved case I found myself first invested in years ago, right? So, so many times we listen to these true crime podcasts and you're like, oh, what happened? Who yeah. was it? You know? Yeah. Like, oh, if only things have been handled differently, maybe. But in this case, you get that satisfying
0: yeah. conclusion.
2: There's yeah. a conclusion. It's such a gift in the world and to the smart family as a whole. But then the second reason why I was so overwhelmed with this podcast is because of how influential Chris Lambert was on yeah. this case and yes. to this family. like. The podcast was mentioned, like that phrase was used so many times Mm -hmm. during the trial, interviewing witnesses. So you listen to the podcast, you know, and like, did you talk to the podcaster? Were you speaking to Mr. Lambert? Like it just came up so much. I think my own empathy for Chris really kicked into overdrive as I was just thinking how incredible to leave this kind of impact on the world, that you helped to bring a trial to a close, like you provided closure for a family that has been grieving for decades. Like the power of podcasting, the power of sharing other people's stories, the podcast of putting other people's vulnerabilities and traumas and life experiences into words and like the healing power that the potential that is in that was just I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed. Yeah. I could yeah. not help but just cry and weep with gratitude on behalf of Chris Lambert and like what he yeah. has been able to accomplish. And maybe that's part of that is because I, as a podcaster myself, like hope that I'm having somewhat of even just like a small impact on the world. So maybe somebody else might listen to it who does a podcast and might not pick up on that at all. But I just think there are so many amazing ways that you can change and impact the world. And here we so clearly saw the good work of Chris Lambert being a positive impact in the world. And I was just overwhelmed with it. It was phenomenal. Wow. You said everything that I would
0: have ever said about your own backyard and more. I think that it will go down in genuine history as it's the gold standard of true crime podcasting. And it's so good. And to have such an emotional conclusion this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So great. So yeah. great. If it you haven't so listened, go and listen. That story has always stood out to me because Kristen Smart and I were like the same age. Her disappearance happened at the end of her freshman year of college. It was the same as the end of my freshman year of college. And so I've long thought about that and it's really well done. So yeah. good. Thank you for that, Rebecca. And um, My listening, I did a lot, a lot, a lot of listening. My Spotify Wrapped. Did reflect me as a human being consuming music this year. <laughs> I'm so happy. My top artist says it all. This is them from spot five to number one. Olivia Rodrigo, Noah Khan, Nathaniel Rateliff in the night sweats, yeah, and Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift.
1: Yeah. So I was like, if Taylor Swift's not on the list, I don't know she you, number one. Teats.
0: What did you say your second one was? I don't
1: know if you know her. She's
0: been on Saturday Night Live. That may be where you know her from. She did that song last winter, Big Boys. It was really popular on TikTok. Yeah. No,
2: I thought you said Sizzla, and Sizzla is a Jamaican reggae artist. And I was like, wait, when did that
1: happen? (laughs) Oh, we expected Taylor Swift, but we did not expect Sizzla. So she's like, I'm going to pack up for just a second. (laughs) Okay. Okay.
0: Good clarification. So good. This was a great year for music. I loved it so much. I had my earbuds in all the time listening to music in terms of podcasts, of course, Otherworld, but also I know I've talked about this a couple of times on the show, but it bears repeating, PJ's a new podcast search engine is just fantastic. I know lots of us are still grieving the loss of reply all, which had a painful ending for lots of us who had listened from the beginning that what PJ's doing with search engine, I think scratches that itch in a lot of ways, but also I think he's doing really interesting things. The context, the the concept for search engine is he just takes a question that you just are like, what's the answer to this? Something you might type into a search engine. And he goes and reports and finds the answer. One of the first episodes I told you all about was, and I think it might be the first episode, is, wait, should I not be drinking airplane coffee? Which I do think that is so good. And it's kind of lighthearted. It's scientific. He gets some good answers, but it's kind of lighthearted. Then, a couple of episodes later, he did a two part series called Why Are Drug Dealers Putting Fentanyl in Everything? And I learned a lot. I learned a lot about drugs and about illegal drug culture. He reports on it in such a non judgmental way that this is some of the best podcasting I've heard this year, just in that two part series and I just think he's just doing such interesting things. He dabbles in the world of finance, but he also did a recent one on like, why do we not eat other humans? It's like, why no. is cannibalism a okay. thing? I know, but he looks but at anthropological mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's probably one of my favorite new podcasts of the year. Although PJ Bo is hardly new to podcasting in terms of new projects yeah. that launched this year. Absolutely love search engines. So. Okay. That was a lot of pop culture favorites. Let's get a little bit more serious when we come back. We'll be talking about the lessons that we've learned in 2023. We invite you to hear our reflections back as you are also thinking about the things that you've learned in 2023. And we'll get to that when we come right back. Okay, friends, the holidays are here, which is perfect timing for today's sponsor, OneSkin. With OneSkin's revolutionary approach to tackling skin aging at the source, you can wrap up 2023 with the gift of radiant and healthy skin for yourself or your loved ones. And for a limited time, you awesomes can enjoy 15% off of OneSkin products with the code SORTA when you check out oneskin.co. Now, it is well documented here on SORTA Awesome that I love skincare and I love skincare products, but sometimes those products do not live up to their height. You guys, here is what makes OneSkin different. OneSkin's skincare products are powered by a groundbreaking peptide, OS1. It's the first ingredient which is scientifically proven to prevent the accumulation of aged senescent cells. And those are the primary culprit behind skin aging. I have been using and loving my face and eye topical supplements. And here's a little secret, you guys. I've been using that topical supplement for eyes on my neck, which is a little off book, I realize. But I have seen a dramatic change in my neck skin, which is one of the biggest indicators of how your skin is aging. Something else that is awesome is that this year, OneSkin launched a mini bundle which includes the face and eye topical supplements, body lotion, and cleanser, and it all comes in a cute little travel bag. So if you're traveling this winter, OneSkin has you covered. And if you're gifting this holiday season, OneSkin's mini bundles are the perfect stocking stuffer. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. OneSkin addresses skin health at the molecular level, targeting the root causes of aging so that skin feels and appears younger. It's time to get started with your new face, eye, and body routine at a discounted rate today. New customers get 15% off with code SORTA at OneSkin.co. That's 15% off at oneskin.co with code SORTA. The new year is approaching. Now is the time to invest in your skin. Age healthy with OneSkin. Okay, we are back. And first of all, you may have noticed I fixed my mic.
1: <laughs> Sorry about that. Even We're after talking eight... about podcasting, man, it makes such a big difference. But you know what? Here, as somebody who works in podcasting <laughs> slash radio, this happens to everybody. I was just laughing at how heavyweight, which most people know, was canceled by Spotify on this like a day after the New York Times named it one that that's like, yes, it's unpredictable. We're just all out here doing our best and we don't know what's going to happen. So, (laughs) yes.
0: Even after eight years of working with audio, you'd think I would have some safeguards in place. But anyway, I fixed my microphone. We are back. Kelly, let's start with you as we reflect back on 2023. What were some lessons? That you learned that you'll take away from this year?
1: Okay. So I am going to first start with one that I referred to back when I was talking about what I was watching. When I started to watch Ted Lasso again, I was like, you know what? One of the things that really blows my mind about this show, and I understand that it is a scripted show, right? So it's not reality. I mean, even reality shows, like we all know, it's not real life. However, people are so (laughs) honest on Ted lasso in a way that I have never seen. And it's just like, it's the air they breathe. It's just the normal from the very beginning when Ted is meeting Rebecca, the owner of this football team in the UK who has hired him to come from Kansas. And she says, would you like tea? And he's like, God, no, (laughs) like no, that's awful. And she's like, okay, well, I'm going to pour you some anyway. And he tries it and spits it out. And is like, that is garbage water. You know, it's done for comedic effect. However, it sets the tone for the whole series in that people are just like, this is who I am. No, I don't like tea. No, I will never like tea. Yes, I will try something. No, you look ridiculous, but also I love you. And so there's this constant people being real and saying the real thing, but still staying in relationship and having repair and learning how to do this thing. And I have literally never seen that in my life. Partly because I grew up in a Christian culture. I'm a woman. I'm in the upper Midwest. People don't say what they mean. You know, like I just have never seen this before my very eyes. And it has given me a passion to say, I want to be able to be that way. Like it took me until my late twenties before I would send a food back to, you know, when the server comes and says, how's your food? I would get a plate that I didn't even order. It wasn't even my food
0: and I'm eating it.
1: Yeah. You know, I don't even want to say like, you gave me the wrong meal, much less that my steak is cooked the wrong way. You know, like I was like, so, so, so conditioned to make other people comfortable and happy. My concern is how you're feeling, yeah. not being honest. And of course there's a balance there. Mm-hmm. And if you don't understand how other people are feeling, you don't have that empathetic or that being able to read signals and those are of things that are important too. However, learning to be more honest and authentic and just be okay with it is a lesson that I feel like I really am trying to synthesize. It's the thing that I was talking about the most in therapy recently, how to do it in a way that is good and healthy and not codependent. Because I think a lot of us who don't know how to speak our truth, it is because it's this codependent thing. Because I'm way more worried about how this is going to impact you. I'm taking the temperature of everybody else, like being able to say, like, I'm just going to say the thing. And if you're upset, Well, like, let's deal with that then, but it's not good for me to never say the thing. So I'm doing more just saying the thing. And so I feel like if there's something that has, I wouldn't say it marked this year because it's too new, but I'm learning it and it feels really important. So that's one. I have three. My second one is a little bit heavy. It's heavy because my truth is the thing I learned, holding hope is really exhausting. And it's something I hadn't thought about. As we've talked about on the podcast, you know, I have some kids who are not thriving in life. They are surviving and there's a little bit of growth, you know, every day, but it's like, we're not there yet. And that's just one example of other things too in my life where I am holding out hope for something that I believe could happen, will happen will be good in the future, but we are not there yet. And I don't get to control it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So it occurred to me as I was talking to a friend who's also in a very hard season that just being the kind of person who I am partly, but also where I'm not really struggling. I'm watching people I love struggle, yeah. holding that hope for them, being like, I know it's not always going to be this way. Or I want to believe it's not always going to be this way. I know you can make better choices. I know it's going to be better in the future. Like the idea one day I thought, what if I didn't have to do that? You know, like, what if my circumstances were like some of my friends who are like, their kids are just like thriving and they're going to college and they're getting married. And I'm like, I can't imagine how much lighter that would feel. I'm so used to it being my journey. Right. And it's okay. This is my journey, you know, and other people, they have their own hard things that they're carrying, but it was just this acknowledgement of, oh, I mean, so many times as women, I talk to people and they're like, I just don't know why I'm so tired or I can't get it together or I'm not very productive or I come home and it's like, we just don't even know all the things that we're carrying. We don't, we're not always very good assessors of our own backpack. So it was like a way of me acknowledging it and then also being able to offer grace to myself and to other people to say like this work, this invisible work that is just mine because it is my journey. Can also be really exhausting. And that's, again, it's okay. It's just a matter of saying, maybe that's partly why I need extra grace and why I need to make sure I give it to other people. So that's my second lesson. My third one is the lighter of the two is just being really convinced this year how much we need more awe in our lives. Yes. So, two books I read this year, there's actually been a plethora of them that have come out. The very first one and a really good one is just called awe. It's by a sociologist at Berkeley. His name is Docker Keltner. I'll put a link in the show notes. He is the number one researcher, Ted talker on the subject of awe as an emotion. And basically his thesis is just that we squash it. We don't have moments of awe anymore because we know we can rationalize things or we just don't look for it. We're in every day and like how as a human, we need this so much and what it does to our psyches and to our communities when we have shared moments of awe or awe ourselves. And so I was looking around, like even at our own family and like, where are those moments of awe? Or am I again, like it's not necessarily my job, but I kind of view it as my job to say like, how can I create more opportunities for us to have moments of, you know, and it doesn't always have to be like, well, we need to travel to the Grand Canyon and stand on the edge. Right. right. But what are the things in the everyday? And Docker talks about the different types of awe that people across cultures talk about. There was also a book by a woman who I love. She's a great writer, Catherine May. She wrote a book on awe this year too. She wrote a book called Wintering that I think I know I've talked yes. about on the podcast yes. before. She writes about awe in many of the same concepts, but like in a much more poetic way where Docker is, he's a scientist. So he's like writing about it in this like TED talk sort of way, you know, yeah. like, here are the things we know and learn and have researched about mm-hmm. it. So we need more awe. And so I feel like that's what I'm taking. Like a lesson I've learned But one of those things that's going to slowly be needed into my life. And so in 2024, I'm just going to be looking for more opportunities for sure for me to stop in the every day and be like, that was amazing. That was amazing. But also just to make sure that I'm creating space in our lives for the people that I love the most to experience awe too.
0: Oh, I love that. And I do remember you bringing that up earlier in the year. Just, Mm -hmm. yes, that's a great thing to look forward to in the year ahead. More awe. Love it. All right, Rebecca, how about you? Lessons learned in the year of 2023.
2: Well, the first lesson I learned really took me by surprise. And that was what it is like to have some content on the internet truly go viral. (laughs) And everything that comes along with that, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Back in the spring, I had a reel on Instagram go viral it has 1.3 million views. Dang. So cool. yeah. <laughs> and it was talking about how to start your car if you have keyless car start and the key fob battery if that dies, how do you start your car? And it was just quick helpful little hack For sure. to put out into the world and obviously people loved it, got shared like crazy, got viewed like crazy. And yet some people
1: were so angry. (laughs) Because they always are. What a thing to be angry about. I mean. What were they actually angry about though? I mean, like, I'm not surprised on one hand because people are angry about everything. You know, right. My daughter, I think this is a meme the other day. She's like, if you say, I really like pancakes, I had pancakes this morning, people will be like, Why do you hate waffles? Like there's always somebody where you're like, That's not. So why were they angry with you?
2: The kind of car that I own. Okay, owning a car at all with keyless start like technology the privilege, these days. The
1: privilege Rebecca
2: yeah no it's like <laughs> technology like a regular key has never done me wrong like this is oh what's gosh. wrong
1: with technology oh. today. Oh. maybe, maybe this is like the 5g your brain is probably being rotted because you're using <laughs> yes. 5g to start your car sort of thing okay
2: just like the utter stupidity Of people for not knowing this, nobody should have a driver's license without knowing this. Like, duh. I will say, now, this might shock all of you, but I've never really been one to, like, jump on the bandwagon of other people who have gone viral and, like, leave hate comments. Like, that's not really my vibe. (laughs) But I would say that this just further reinforced the need for compassion for those who do go viral. And it goes south because yeah, when you put something out onto the internet, there's always the risk that it's sure. going to go viral, but like, it's low, right? Like, isn't it kind yeah. of low? The idea that something that you put out there thinking that your community, whether right. it's like your community of just real life friends and family that follow you, or like, your community here. If we put something out that we trust the awesomes to know our intentions and to assign positive yeah. intent to what I, we do, and they know our character and they know our backstories, we trust them. But when it goes out beyond that, I mean, it can be chaos out there. And yeah. I am just so thankful that what I went viral for had nothing to do with my core values, my beliefs. Yes, there was no comments about my body. There was no comments about my parenting choices. You know, I just learned again. And I think this is a something I probably already knew. But just again, it just really reinforced, man, the Internet is a wild place. And yeah. we should just be giving people grace. You know, like,
1: yeah,
0: if yes.
2: you don't like something. Just scroll on by. Let's just scroll on by. Give people some yes. more grace. Scroll on by. <laughs> See, we even have a theme song for it. <laughs> So I also learned a lot about my reading life this year as I have been aiming to read a hundred books this year. I have learned that reading goals are really just stupid ways to enforce stress (laughs) on myself unnecessarily.
1: You're like that website where you can bet money on yourself for something. You set a goal for yourself and you put money down and other people do too. Like it starts at the beginning of a month or the beginning of a year or something. And if you meet yes. your goal, you get your money back. If you don't, you lose your money. And everybody whose money is lost goes into the people who met their goal and it's split between them. What? Yes. How I remember reading I about this years this? ago because it talks about motivations for change. And it's like, okay. this is one way, like you're saying, Rebecca, like it's just a stupid way. Like I don't need to do this, but mm-hmm. somehow it does keep us accountable. It's It's the mm-hmm. psychology of it. So I hear what you're saying. You're like, why did I do this to myself? Well, it's because you wanted to make sure Rebecca read. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So did Rebecca make Rebecca read?
2: Okay. Well, (laughs) listen, we are recording this before the actual end of the year. So I still have time. You still have tons
1: of time. How many books are you away from 100? I'm at 93 books right now. (gasps) You can do that. There. we're gonna have a facebook live on new year's eve and we're gonna be like here
2: <laughs> i won't have time i'll still be,
1: reading. still be reading we just want to watch you read and, and cheer you on you'll be like the fire tiktok on or on youtube you know like the fire is just like in the background it'll be like rebecca yeah. reading and we'll be like yes. there she
0: is you got it rebecca
2: <laughs> i love it well okay so I have learned that I really do enjoy nonfiction, but in audio format. Hmm. So I have read more than ever this year, but like every single nonfiction book that I've read has been in audio. And I think the reason why is because, you know, I can like multitask. Mm -hmm. I can listen. I enjoy podcasts that are not like based in fiction, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a podcast. Yes. Like a podcast. So I have found some really good nonfiction books that I've loved. And I think the key is that I need to listen to it in audio. If I listen to it or if I've tried to read it, what I want to do when I'm reading is I want to escape into a story. I don't want to learn anything. Yeah. I don't want to be inspired. I just want escape. I want that to be like my downtime. And I feel like nonfiction, while it can be entertaining, it isn't always. I don't want to read it.
1: I want to listen to it. Which is also yeah. reading, but you know what I mean. Really good lesson. Like a really yeah. good thing to realize about yourself. Like, okay, mm-hmm. so that yeah. book, okay, Awe by mm-hmm. Dr. Yes. Keltner, you yes. could listen
2: to that. I would, never, would never pick up that print book. Print. I would never pick it up. Yeah. That's another thing I've learned is that I don't like reading in print either. I really like reading on my Kindle. Yes. Mm. Out of the 93 books I have finished so far this year, only five were in print.
0: Wow. Okay. I get that. I don't hardly ever read in print either. So I'm tracking with you.
2: So it's been a good reading year for me. It's been a lot of fun. It's been stressful, but I really think I'm going to get there. And I'm very excited. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I learned this year is that I need to be just as careful about negative self-talk about my house as I am Mm -hmm. about my body and like me as a person. Okay. I was going through a season. And I'm still kind of chugging through it a little bit where I had a lot of negative things to say about my house, about things that needed to be repaired, about things that needed to be updated, about my inability to do home decor stuff the way that I see other people do. I just had so much that I was walking through my day and I was just saying negative things. Mm. This is a mess. This isn't clean. This doesn't look good. This needs to be updated. This carpet is disgusting, needs to be replaced. This repair needs to be done. It was just overwhelming. We've been working on some repairs. We've been working towards some remodeling. But also I've been working on just not being so negative about where I live. Because it's also so relative. Do you know how blessed I am? Do you know how fortunate I am? Do you know how privileged I am to be in this house? Of this size, it's not even like a massive house, but it's a great house. Like, I have so much. The key for me, the moment that I realized what I was doing and how messed up I was about the way that I was talking about my house in my head, was when one of Noah's friends came over to hang out and play. And the mom walked in to pick up her son. And the first words out of her mouth was, Oh, it's nice in here. And I was like, in here? In here? It's nice in here? And I was like, oh, yeah, Rebecca, it is actually nice in here. It is nice in here. It's a warm house. It's a comfortable house. It is a nice house. Yes, there's things that you can improve. There's repairs that need to be done, but it's a nice house. Why are you talking so bad about your house in your head? Yeah. Oh, it's a cycle that I can get into and it's not healthy if I'm doing it about me about my body, about the way that my brain works. And it's not helpful for me to do it about my house. So I'm learning it mm. and I'm still learning it, but I'm getting there. I like my house. It's a nice house. Okay. The last thing that I learned, I need to declutter my underwear drawer. <laughs> oh, okay. <There's history>. Apparently, apparently <laughs> I have an excess of underwear. <laughs> apparently... I have mastered acquiring new underwear and have not yet learned to throw out the old underwear. So it has been brought to my attention that I own an insane amount of underwear and it is time for me to declutter that underwear drawer. <laughs> if you feel like this is coming out of a field, then you need to go listen <laughs> to the Best of Rebecca episode <laughs> where we have some accidental confessions and mine <laughs> apparently the internet has spoken and I am the one who was wrong. So yeah, that's <laughs> it. I haven't done it yet. That's a goal for January. I will declutter my underwear. Yes.
0: <laughs> I love it. Okay. That's fascinating and very grown up of you to be like, you know what? I hear you <laughs> universe <laughs> speaking to me through the internet. <laughs> I'm delighted. I was not expecting that to be Odd lessons learned in 2023. <laughs> I mean, some of them are very old, Meg. <laughs> oh, we talked about that. I do yes. remember. Yes. 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 Okay. These are all so good. Mine are extremely interconnected. And there's really just two things. Because I think back on the year, well, maybe there's three. Let's see. I guess one of them that I can say briefly, I they actually are all interconnected. Okay. In typical ENFP nature, everything's connected, right? The first one is. I've been on social media so, so, so little in this last quarter of the year. And I'm gonna say this with love and care and caution because I do not want it to sound judgmental in any way. And I know this is always a tricky thing. We're talking about how we use our phones and people you know, have feelings about it. But you guys, I've not been this happy in a long time. I feel so connected to just being in the present, in the moment, in the now. And I didn't realize how disconnected I was until I took that time and space. And I'm not saying I'm like leaving social media forever or anything like that. Maybe it's just like a new way of thinking about a new way of doing it that doesn't feel so consuming, but it feels like my life feels so much simpler and so much less complicated. So that was an unexpected thing that I was not anticipating happening. But it's been interesting to take note of. It's almost like, oh my gosh, I actually do have so much time (laughs) when I'm not on social media. Okay. The bigger lessons have to do with the first one I want to say is adventure can never happen when you're in your comfort zone. Adventure only happens outside of your comfort zone. And I started thinking about this in June when I brought Daisy here to Tallahassee, because that's where we are now. You guys, our family is in all together in Tallahassee, Florida. When I first brought Daisy here, we were driving through town, and she was talking about something that a base instructor had said to her at camp one time, and it had something to do with just reframing the stressful moments in your life as adventure. And we talked about that, and I was like, "That's really kind of profound. I I really kind of like that." And so for like the second half of this whole year. I really have found myself coming back to that idea of like, what if this wasn't stressful? What if this wasn't feeling out of control? What if this was an adventure? And kind of that whole thing of do it for the plot, you know, just like, what if we did this? And it takes you outside of your comfort zone. That is where there is adventure to be found. Now that doesn't have to mean you know, closing a huge thing in your professional life and moving halfway across the country. It can be little choices in the day-to-day life of adventure, trying a new food, listening to a new podcast. Like there's so many ways to take an adventure that can be just teeny tiny. If you feel like you don't have the bandwidth for adventure right now. But if life presents you with really big choices and you say yes to it, to be able to frame those things as an adventure, I guess I've been saying it so much that even the other day, I was kind of complaining about something that was stressful, and that I didn't understand. <laughs> I know what it was actually. So, in Tallahassee, I don't know if I grew up as a sheltered driver. I don't know how to do traffic roundabouts. You guys, we don't have roundabouts where I.
1: Well, they're, grew up. they're kind of newer. They're newer, so like we wouldn't have learned it when we were learning to drive. Okay. You know, back in days, for the day. Thank you. That part. makes that makes me feel better.
2: Leave Kelly to be the traffic expert. <laughs>
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah, Very I will give my Kelly. TED talk
1: here.
0: Yes, <laughs> but go ahead. I have had to learn really quickly how to traffic roundabouts work, so that I don't cause an accident, so I can still get where I'm going. And I think I was complaining to AJ about that, and she said something about like, "Well, isn't that part of the adventure of it?" And I was like, "Oh, so now my I've been talking about it so much that now my children are reflecting." A student about. has
1: become the master. <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly. And I guess that kind of ties into the bigger lesson and it really did become really concrete for me and watching the bear season two there's a character who's not even like one of the main actual characters his name's richie everyone calls him cousin on the show and he's in his mid-40s he's divorced has a child it's not happy about the divorce and he's just like floundering as the show picks up he is the actual picture of floundering of not knowing what to do with his life And he even starts out the season. This is a moment that's a little bit on the nose, I feel like. But he starts out the season by asking Carmi, who is the lead of the show, like, what do you do for fun? Like, what's fun for you? And Richie's character arc in season two is all about this exploration of what is my purpose in life and why am I not having any fun? And what does the future hold for me? And episode seven of season two is called Forks. And it's probably one of my favorite episodes of television ever. And in that we see care that it's spotlighted on Richie and his transformation to realizing like it's never too late. It's never too late. If you are alive, if you are breathing, if you have a heartbeat, it's never too late to make a big change, to reconcile a relationship, whatever the thing is that you might feel. And maybe this is just like my mid forties talking. It is a time of reflection of like, I only have this much time, maybe left. What about all of these things I was always going to get to? I just feel like that is the lesson for me of 2023 is it's never too late. And it came to me through a TV show for which I'm very, very deeply grateful. <laughs> so in reflecting back on this year, which has been filled with a ton of changes in our family life and my personal life and professional life, I feel like, okay, I think that this is going to be a year, the things that have happened this year, I'll still be learning from learning about, learning, you know, gleaning stuff from it for a long time. But as I sit here right now, as this year comes to a close, look at it as an adventure and it's never too late are the things I'm going to be taking away for sure. So, all right. Awesome. Like I said, we love to hear what you are reflecting back on. So please make sure you come and find us on social media to tell us about that. Kelly, if people want to talk about your year in favorites or just anything in
1: general, where can we find you all around the web? You can find me at Kelly Gordon MN for Minnesota. There's also kellygordonmn.com. That's my website. One other thing I thought I'd say because as the show is winding up, I'm starting to get a lot of friend requests on Facebook. And I am on Facebook because I'm in the Hangout group, but I do not post on yes. Facebook outside yes. of the Hangout group. So just for people who are sending me friend requests and I'm not taking them, it's because I don't use yes. my personal account on Facebook. I could accept your friend request and then I would immediately unfollow you because that's what I've done to everybody, including my own family. And I would not see anything you post and I've not posted on Facebook, I think since 2015. So you would not learn about me there. But if you follow me on Instagram or on threads, I'm really having fun with that there. Or on the website. Awesome. Thank you, Rebecca. How about you?
2: I'll echo Kelly. Don't follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram. (laughs) At Simply Rebecca. You can also go to my website, SimplyRebecca.com. You can sign up for my newsletter there. I'd be happy to have you do that.
0: Okay. And I'm at Sorta of Awesome Meg in all of the places. I don't know but that she's I not say posting come follow her. me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't use social media very much, but you can follow me there in case I ever do reach Yes. You. And who knows? You said I may be back. Yes, exactly. We do have one more full length episode coming your way. So even though we're wrapping up the year, we do have one more Sorta of Awesome episode. So stay tuned for that. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see y'all next time.
2: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death